What is up, everyone? My name is Jose Shorty Torres, the first ever two-time IMF world champ, the first ever two-division Titan FC champion, and now the Brave Bantamweight champion. And you're listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Colbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We have something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Are you ready to stay fit this winter? Get off the couch with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Sign up now to their mobility and movement program. Use the code PSP15 to get 15% off the one-time purchase of the program. Then it's yours forever. No additional subscriptions or fees. The program is available worldwide. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Brussels Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mr. Nemo Spruce, and I'm joined talented Mr. Kobe Aron, a.k.a. Kobe. Kobe, how you doing? Good, buddy. Been busy lately, but busy in a good way, so no complaints. There we go. It's always good to have something on the go. You don't want to be an idle mind. You don't want to be sitting on your hands doing nothing. And one of our guests who's joining us today, he is very much a busy man. He's uh, an eight-time MMA champion. He came over from the International MMA Federation, making the jump from amateur to professional, you may have seen him in the UFC as well. He's currently fighting in the Brave fighting promotion out there in Bahrain. He's a champion out there as well. It is the one and only Shorty Torres. Shorty, how are you doing? I am great, and I'm happy to be on the show. Actually, you know, I'm, I'm a busy man as well. I'm literally going everywhere. Got to Vegas yesterday, and already started to get punched in the face today, so it's been phenomenal. <laughs> All right. Did you watch the football over the weekend while you got to Vegas, or... Or you just go, go, go? I did not watch the football. I am, I've just never been, never been a fan of sports unless I'm competing in them. I'm really not interested unless it's like a playoff or a championship style game. Um, hell, even fights, I barely even get a chance to watch. So for me, it, unless I'm in it or if I am emotionally invested in it in some sort of way, then I'm, I'm really not interested in it. Fair enough. So just on that point, what, what got you into fighting to begin with? Where did it all start for you? Uh, so it's a very different story compared to most. For me, I grew up in the South Side of Chicago. My father was a gang leader, and he wanted me to learn how to fight. That was just one of the things, and it wasn't to follow his path directly, but it was the fact of, especially because of his livelihood, he always had to fight. He was a goon. You know, it was just that guy. And my brother being eight years older, automatically had to learn how to defend myself. So I didn't usually look up to them as role models. The role models I looked up to were cartoons or anime, you know, Dragon Ball Z, Goku, Vegeta, stuff like that, Power Rangers, you know, Tommy Oliver and, and Teenage Ninja, uh, Ninja Turtles and so many more. So for me, my mom saw the energy I put out in there just when it came to fighting with my brother and my dad and just having fun. So she's like, you know, let's put this kid in karate and we'll see where things go from there. When I was 16, my brother wanted to, in a sense, invest in me and put me into an MMA gym as the sports started to get popular, especially for the smaller guys in WEC. So he's like, let's put you in inside the gym and, and have you, in a sense, protect the family. 
And, you know, my dad wasn't the best father when I was young. So he was always aggressive with myself, my family in general. So it's like, hey, let's protect it from, let's protect the family from our father sometimes. And just in general, let's learn how to fight. And so that's what got me out of the streets. It actually kept me inside the gym. I met more positive role models, whether they were former gang members as well. It just was like, hey, man, we went left. You should go right. And these were proper people to, in a sense, uh, influence me that I respected. And my coach that I ended up meeting, Master Bob Shermer, who's still my head coach today, uh, I think, what is that, 15 years later, he was, you know, he was a Marine recon. So just that having that full metal jacket type of upbringing, I was like that fat kid that always got made fun of and picked on and this and that. And I just stuck into it. And, uh, you know, years later, look at me now, a multiple time world champion, traveling the world, doing this, doing that. And it's, it's crazy to think because um, I never expected to, you know, if it weren't for martial arts, I never expected to make this far in my life or if not be in regular streets, I'd either be in prison or dead. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah, man. Uh, respect for that. Honestly, respect. Now, just yeah, staying with you. that briefly, what's the message you'd pass on to, I guess, those kids or those who perhaps might need a role model? What's the message of support and motivation you'd pass on? I, I think the biggest thing, and I remember I, I wrote a letter to myself when I was in eighth grade. You know, in the yearbook, you know, I had one page empty. I was like, you know, let me write a letter to myself. And reading it back, one, I'm just surprised I never got picked on. But then two, I'm looking at it and I'm just like, man, it was a very, very different person. It was a very gang-influenced kid because my neighborhood was just, it's, it's very different. You know, Southside Chicago, we're called Chirac for a reason. And a lot of people get shot for no apparent reason. So for me, I, I read back at it. And it's like, you know, hoping the best for me, not really had a, didn't really have a goal in mind, but hoping that when I read back at it, that, you know, I'm successful in some sort of way. But the way I wrote it is like, I never expected to make it this far. And just remembering myself from at that age, it's like, man, I did all these crazy things. I never thought I'd leave the city, nevertheless, leave the country and start traveling and call different countries home and, you know, meeting royalty and being friends and brothers with, ro uh, you know, people in the royal family and, and doing this and doing that, like I've been able to do so much stuff in my life because of martial arts, because of training, because of fighting, because of the upbringing that I had, I just kind of used it in a positive sense. You know, I always say fighting is a poor man's sport and it gave me that drive to to push and endure when, you know, things got extremely, extremely tough. So, you know, looking back at it, it things all happened for a reason. I'm at where I'm at, you know, because of all that stuff. And uh, as much as I can say, I wish I had this, I wish I had that. I have a lot of things now because of the upbringing I had to go through. So, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is when I tell the kids, it's like, man, just try. I don't care what you're trying to do. I don't care what direction you're going in, but try. But don't give a half the effort because you'll only get possibly half the results. That's inevitable failure. Go all in. And if you fail, at least you can say, hey, man, I went on this crazy journey. These are all the things I went through. And honestly, I might have not achieved the goal I wanted. But I'm at a whole different location where it's actually better suited for me. And I actually appreciate it a lot more than possibly what I was trying to go for in the first place. So just try your best. You never know what's going to happen. And there's always time. So don't give yourself a time clock or a timetable. Just have fun. Do your thing. And as long as you're happy and, you know, I guess somewhat stable enough to where you can be comfortable, then do you, man, and enjoy your stuff. But try your best and see where it goes from there. That's awesome. I love that. 
Yeah, now, Shorty, we're based in Toronto, in case you didn't know, so we're a little bit north of the border from you. I actually mm-hmm. grew up all over. I spent some time in Chicago. I, I know what the South Side's like. That's no joke. Uh, as a result of that, I actually fell in love with the show Shameless. You ever watch that? I, I have I have seen a few episodes, and I know it's from Chicago. I've never seen it consecutively, but I definitely have seen some uh, highlights or reels, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's home. That's, that's it, that right? Case. That's it, 100%. So do you get a chance to kind of like give back, help out in the community now? So every time I'm home, I usually do a speech either at whatever school, elementary, middle, high school, sometimes colleges. I have my own foundation called the Team Shorty Foundation, which gives back to kids, teens, and young adults to stay inside the gym and stay off the streets. It's not just solely Chicago, but it, you know it is worldwide. But I do try my best to help a lot of people in the city because just I know the livelihood and what we struggle with, and just the opportunities that they have if they were to just join martial arts, whether it's to fight or even just to gain the discipline of morals to possibly pursue other things and have that confidence in it. For me, I would have never gone and graduate high school or even going to college and graduate from college if it weren't for martial arts because I had those proper mentors So, and the confidence to do so. So for me, I, I try my best to help where I can. I'm usually Mr. Yes Man when I'm home just because I'm home extremely rarely. Uh, I think I'm home maybe two months spread out throughout the whole year. Like I was on, since my fight, I fought August 12th in Bogota, Colombia. I went home for three hours, showed my mom the belt, gave her a hug, and then I went on a tour for the military for two weeks, you know, I went to Cuba, I went to uh, or Guantanamo Bay, which I guess is apparently the US, but I uh, went to Greenland and went to Honduras, went home for a week, and then I went on another military tour. And went to, you know, I just last two weeks, I was in Romania, Bulgaria, Spain, Kosovo, North Macedonia, and Turkey. I got home for three days, gave my mom another kiss and a hug, and I left. And now I'm in Vegas for a month and a half, and I might be, you know, somewhere else very, very soon. So I, I travel so much that I try to enjoy what I can, but I always try to help no matter where I go. Crazy and excellent, buddy. Like, kudos to you for sure. And now I don't feel so busy, to, to be honest. <laughs> I don't feel that busy. Now, how, how does a guy who grows up in Chicago, Illinois, end up fighting for a promotion at a Bahrain? You know, the, the crazy thing about that, which I think is a hilarious story, is I fought the second year at Worlds. I already won it the first time. I'm thinking I'm going to graduate college the next year and go pro. My coach is like, no, shut up, listen to me, swallow your ego. You're going to do Worlds and be the first ever two-time world champ. And I'm like, fine, whatever. You know, after a lot of arguments going back and forth, I'm like, fine, I'll listen to you. I'm my elder. I'll do so. You know, if it doesn't work out, I got plenty of time. And so I fight, I win Worlds, and Bahrain, it was their first year at Worlds, and they just, they got beat up. You know, MMA is a very new sport in the Middle East at the time, and so they're playing catch-up. The prince of Bahrain, Sheikh Khalid bin Hamad al-Khalifa, he is in charge of everything athletic in the kingdom of Bahrain. So he's like, hey man, I'm trying to create a team, I want to make my Bahrain athletes better, and I want you to be part of that team. And I'm like, oh yeah, sure, I don't know he's you know, the prince or the sheikh. I was like, okay, yeah, sure, cool, whatever. And then I talked to a couple Americans that are on the team as well. And I'm like, all right, yeah, that sounds good with me. Now I'm just saying yes. I don't know what's happening. A few months pass and I get a call and I, you know, hear a very thick accent like, oh, hello, brother, Uh, may I have your passport information? And I'm just like, yeah, click. You know, I was like, oh, (laughs) spam call, click. And then out of nowhere, they call back and they're like, oh, hello, I'm sorry, I think we got misconnected. Um... 
I need your passport information so you can come to Bahrain. I'm like, no, dude, click. And out of nowhere, the prince personally texts me and he goes, hey, jerk, I have my guy trying <laughs> to get your passport information to fly you over so you can be part of my team, sending your stuff. I'm like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. So I call him back and I was like, hey, man, I'm not even going to lie to you. I'm so sorry. I thought you were a spam con. He's like, no worries. It happens all the time. And I was just like, oh my gosh. So he gives me his, you know, I give him his stuff. I don't know where I'm staying in a five-star hotel. I get inducted into this team with, you know, Khabib uh, Nurmagomedov, Islam Makachev, Alejandro Soto, Eldar Eldorov, who's another brave, uh, I think the super welterweight champion, um, and Hamza Kohedji, and so many more. And so I, I go on this team, and literally I know I'm training with Khabib back and forth. I'm having fun with him. And he's, you know, being nice to me. He's a lot bigger than me. But I'm holding my own. And then I, at the time, I meet my future manager in Bahrain. And he ends up going, hey, do you want to be part of Titan FC? Yo, um, you, you look really good against this guy who we believe is going to be future champion and all this stuff. And then I you know, signed to Titan FC. So because of the world championships, I got to meet the prince and become brothers with the prince of Bahrain. I got to meet my future really, really good friend. I consider a brother, father figure at the same time. And, you know, manager, Lex McMahon, who still manages me today. And, you know, things just kind of flourish from there. And now eventually, inevitably, signing the Brave and then uh, winning their belt you know, after being released from the UFC. So it's like everything has, has just gone full circle. Okay, so you were released from the UFC even though you were one and one there. Yeah, so I had a four-fight contract, and both of those fights were in uh, typically 60 days, uh, give or take. And I had two last-minute weight cuts, received many ultimatums. I was, I was very mistreated by the UFC, and that was a reason why I got released because I was very vocal about the mistreatment. Okay. And... I was in a division that was already dying. So when I got signed, it wasn't because of me. Like, it wasn't like, oh, Shorty, you know, started the flyweight divide, demise or Shorty started talking smack and that's why everyone, you know, slowly got cut. No, it was something they already planned. I just kind of saw the plans coming, called them out for it. Yeah. And I got released first because of it. And they can technically cut you on a, it doesn't matter what your contract is. If you deny fights, if you lose the fight, if you whatever, they can go, oh, you didn't perform to up, up to our, um, you know, to what we thought, you know, you're released. So I got cut. And then after that, I was just, it wasn't talking smack. I was just talking about what really happened. And in a sense, I got blacklisted. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm just going to go to a different promotion. It sucks. Because at the time, other promotions weren't as popular yet. And UFC still kind of reigned, you know, king and supreme. Yeah. And then Braves started coming up, you know, uh, 1FC, Bellator, all these guys. And Brave gave, gave me the best offer. And I was like, you know what, man? It'd be awesome to fight back in Bahrain. You guys have done so much for me in my career. You know, let's let's do it. And, you know, years later, through a lot of trials and tribulations, because I had a lot of mental health stuff that I was going through with my father passing, being released from the UFC, and I was also engaged at the time. So it was like that one fell through too. So it was like, oh, my God, three great things in my life went, you know, bad. So let's just, you know, work on myself. And I did, and Brave was very patient with me. And years later, I become the champion. Now, you're listed as a flyweight, but you are the Bantamweight champion at Brave Combat Federation, correct? Yes. Did you fight up, or are the weights different? Um, No, so I did bump up weight class. So I used to fight flyweight in the UFC, fought flyweight for majority of my career. And yeah. then uh, there was one fight I was in the flyweight tournament for Brave. I started to get injured because of the bad weight cut. And even though I could make the weight, it was just – 
my motivation was going down. The one loss that I had in UFC because of the ultimatum and the poor weight cut that I had to obtain just to make weight. I my manager told me he goes, Shorty, you walked in there and go, all right, let's see how this goes. Like just unexcited. Mm-hmm. I lose. And then he goes, dude, what happened? And I'm perfectly fine. Like I wasn't hurt or anything. My body just couldn't take any more strikes. That my manager goes, dude, what happened? I was like, I just didn't want to be in there. I just want to go home. Like that was my mentality going in there because of just how I felt from the bad weight cut. Then years later, you know, I'm now getting injured because of just age. Now my, you know, my body's getting thicker and getting stronger. Um, I'm adapting more to the sport. And it's like, you know what? I might be the smaller guy at the higher weight class, but I'll be healthier. And at least if I lose, like I say, I tried my best and you're the better man compared to cutting down and I'm just not myself. And there's always a woulda, shoulda, coulda, or I'm making excuses and that I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. And your shorty moniker is a little more suitable at Bantamweight, of course. Yeah, well, it's, it's funny because I met John Dotson and oh, Joseph yeah. Benavides and all these guys, and they're like 5'2", five, 5'1". Five, I met Demetrius right. Johnson, you know, when I when we both had our last fight in UFC because we both fought at the Staples Center the same day, and he's like 5'1". And I remember my usual phrase, because I'm Latino, if you say Jose, everyone in my neighborhood turns around, so call me Shorty. Yeah. And I remember just going up to John Dotson, and I was like, yeah, man, just call me Shorty because, man, you just call me whatever you want. I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, for sure. That's awesome, man. Uh, and yeah, I think, I think the the truth has eventually come out with the UFC. Like uh, you mentioned, what went on with your experience? When we, it seems that Kobe and I and um, our boy Justin, whenever we talk about the UFC, there's more and more fighters coming out with you know rough stories of treatment. So it looks like you got out at the right time. I I got out at the right time, I believe, but. The only flaw is, you know, I I just had an interview right before this, and he's like, oh, how do you feel about the flyweight division flourishing now? I'm like, oh, you know, it does suck for me because the guys that I've either trained with and I've beaten in practice or demolished in practice are now champions or, you know, contenders or a former cha- or a former opponent that I had, Amir Abazi is number two in the world. You know, how does that make you feel? I'm like, yeah, I'm a little butthurt because I don't believe the competition is as tough as it was, but – it's not that I'm mad at them, like good for them. You know, I'm just more butthurt because I'm not in their place, you know, but like for Amir Abazi being number two in the world, uh, a guy I beat and I'm his only loss. I'm like, dude, I hope he wins the belt. I train with him now. Like I hope he wins the belt because it makes me look better. And then two, I hope he wins the belt because maybe just maybe our fight taught him so many things that made him that much better that he could obtain another belt in a different promotion. And maybe even if I fought him one day, he learned from the mistakes and then I can't beat him anymore. That's how much confidence I have in some of the people I beat and you know a lot of the guys in UFC so it's you know it's one of those things that I'm happy where I'm at and you know things happen for a reason and you know all the stuff the bad stuff especially them being sued lately it's like you know that's all on them you know and and they deal with it however they can but other promotions are coming out of the woodworks because they treat their fighters a lot better and I can tell you from my personal experience you look at myself Sergio Pettis Jared Brooks John Lineker uh, Demetrius Johnson, all these guys that were in the UFC and released the UFC at the same time are now all champions of different promotions and being treated so much better than what they were in the UFC. So it's it's a very different thing. And, you know, it's uh, especially Sergio Pettis, like he being a Pettis brother, being, you know, a highlight reel, all that stuff, and not being the champion, being paid extremely well. Like I just talked to him, he's being paid extremely well. I, you know, I'm happy for him. So there's more success than outside the most popular promotion in the world. Absolutely, absolutely. So tell us, you're the champion and brave. Tell what's mm-hmm. what's on deck for you in the next few months. You got a fight coming up that you want to tell our listeners about? 
I do have a fight coming up. Sadly, I don't know if I'm able to release the actual details. <laughs> All um, right. But I, I did I did just sign my contract today, so I will be fine at the end of the year. And I'm just excited. And for me, my, my big statement is, you know, people are like, oh, who are you fighting? Is it a rematch? Is it someone new? Whatever the case may be. And when I was a champion in Titan, I literally fought the best on purpose. You know, obviously in the I'm of tournament, whoever you fight next is, you know, the next guy in line. For me, I believe a champion does not get the honor or the respect of picking their opponent. I believe they should fight the next best guy in line or whatever the promotion believes is the next best guy in line. So for me, if it's the same guy, awesome. If it's someone new, awesome. If it's 10 people in the cage, then hey, I got to do what I got to do. So for me, my job as a champion is just to keep the belt and fight and put on a great performance. And that's my job to do so. That's interesting. Do you know where the fight will be taking place? Um, it will be in the kingdom of Bahrain. So I can say that just because I'm on the poster. Um, okay. but I can't state which, uh, which event, because there are three events. Uh, I don't know the exact dates, but they're back to back to back for an international, uh, like fight week for them. And man, I fought in Bahrain before during that fight week. And it's because it's their home, they go all out. And it's just, it's honestly like, I sometimes don't even want to fight. I just want to watch. Okay, now I've been covering like mixed martial arts from the beginning, and there was a time early on where the majority of the fighters would have a bit of an amateur career before turning pro. Then it's now switched to a spot where a lot of the fighters coming up now have no amateur fights. You had 26, if that's correct, yep. right? 20, 26 solely in MMA. I had hundreds in kickboxing, Muay Thai, wrestling, and other other combatives okay but you you had a real amateur mma career and there's a lot of fighters now that just don't they don't even have a single amateur fight do, do you think that's a mistake or do you think that's just the way it should be now i well you look at the imf a lot of these guys like uh a highlight right now is muhammad mokai he followed my blueprint became a two-time world champ just like myself mm-hmm. and now i believe he's eight and oh nine and oh something like that in the us in the ufc um or at least as a professional now in the ufc and he's being highlighted as this and that. And, you know, he just followed my blueprint and obviously got more fame because of it because now he knows how to promote more. He has more of a following. He has this and that. So I believe – and now there's actually a three-time world champ, Ramazan, who just got signed to Brave. It's like these guys are following my blueprint and doing so much more because they go, Shorty's style worked, but let me see if different ways I can make it better. You know, or let me do the same thing like Mokaev. Shorty did it. I'll do the same thing, but let me promote and do different things. And Mokai, I've actually, I big brother him. He asked me for advice or what fight should, should he uh, he should take. And I'm like, dude, do this, do that. If I were to do it, I would do this. Or if I did a retry, I'd do that. And he's doing the same thing with Ramazan now, Ramazan being a three-time world champ. So I look at it this way. My coach used to tell me, before you turn pro, you need 20 amateur fights. I don't care if you go 0-20, 20-0, 10-10. You need 20 amateur fights because by that time, hopefully you fought majority of the styles in MMA okay. and you can say that you're not a big fish in a little pond because most guys of my generation the guy I lost my very first amateur fight to was 5-0 and went pro and you know sadly got injured things just didn't work out in his future when it came to fighting but a lot of guys go 5-0 and in Chicago and then travel to Florida and face another big fish that so happens to be bigger from a different pond or go overseas and these guys are monsters yeah. you know so 
I got to compete in IMOF, pro level guys, the amateur ranks. I get to do all these things and, and fight different weight classes. I fought from 125 all the way up to 155 and even in kickboxing fought at 170. Like it just didn't matter to me. My coach threw me in with the wolves and as much as I didn't like it, I did it and I won. So the fact is as a pro, I believe just like anything, you want to get a job, right? You need the best type of resume to get that job. Why would the UFC, Brave, Bellator, all these different promotions call you if you're only 5-0? and Plenty of guys can go 5-0, and but it's who those people you beat, how many people you beat, how you beat them, and how many tickets you can sell, especially in the area of social, uh, era of social media. How many tickets can you sell? Can you bring numbers? Now, I'm not going to include the Alex Perez fight because you already said you went into that fight and you weren't interested. What was your toughest fight where you felt fully prepared for it? For me, I, well, my toughest fight, I think, stylistically, was when I bumped up to 135 to fight for the Bantamweight champion, uh, Championship. It was, you know, a Titan FC event. It was called uh, the King of Titans. I was the flyweight champ. He was the Bantamweight champ. Mm-hmm. I went to fight him, and I remember getting hit, and I'm like, ah, he doesn't have any power. Like, I'll be fine. And then I just took a like a falcon punch and he played super smash bros the guy just like charged it up and just <laughs> socked the hell out of me and dude I, I it was just one of those like he touched the he touched the floor and came up like an anime punch and i got dropped it was just a punch i didn't see coming got stuck in the guillotine got up and i was like okay you know my first time being dropped in general and i come up and i i go to punch him back like hey it's my turn and i feel a click i was like did i just break my hand and I punch him again. I'm like, yep, no, I broke my hand. Oh. Then little I know when I stood up to start the second round, my right leg wasn't moving. Like it was just stiff. I tore my MCL because of the way I felt. I did like one of those like obnoxious family guy falls where like my heel touched my back of the head type of thing when I got dropped. Oh my God. And so I fought after being dropped, stuck in a guillotine, broken hand and torn MCL. And I still won a five round fight. <laughs> That's crazy, man. That's yeah, I, crazy. I pushed more. I was like, well, it's already broken. So I might as well keep going. <laughs> Oh my god. That is a lot. I felt pain just, just hearing you recount that man. So props to you for, for getting through that and like still being fighting fit today. Now I appreciate it. As someone who fights in Bahrain, I gotta ask, how's your Arabic? My Arabic is very, very bad. But it, it's funny because I have a friend that I used to live with who just I'll I'll be like, Oh shukran. He's like, No no no, you say it like this or say have more of an accent or this and that. So I know very, very basic stuff. I know more, um, I guess, Muslim words, if you want to say, like, you know, inshallah, aslam alaikum, mm. alaikum salam, stuff like that. But that's pretty much about it. My my Russian's pretty much the same because there's a lot of Dagestani guys in Bahrain. So I'm just learning, like, little words here and there, and that's really all I can do. I'm, I'm actually in the process of getting fluent. I'm not 100% fluent with Spanish. So I'm more trying to get into that. And then every once in a while you hear, like, you know, an, an Arabic word if I just want to relate or say like, hey, I'm trying. So I'm trying my best here. I hear that. Spanish is a language I'm picking up very slowly along the line. So that's something I'd like to ramp up in the future. But I, I can still count to five in Arabic. Okay. <laughs> I spent enough time at Dubai Airport once in transit. So I started learning the numbers. But um, yeah, like you, I, I know some of the the, the uh, phrases like inshallah and... Um, yalla, yalla. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, Shorty, where can we find you on social media? You know, if, if people want to, you know, help support me, it's uh Jose Shorty Torres on Instagram, 
I believe Shorty Tours MMA on Facebook and Twitter. I do have a TikTok that I uh, TikTok my Snapchat that I end up um, doing a lot of travel vlogs because I travel so much and it's just like different adventures, different journeys, and I'm pretty ADHD, so there's a lot of tangents in there. Shorty Tours MMA on TikTok, and I believe it's Shorty Tours one two five on Snapchat as well. But overall, man, uh, for me, if anyone wants to help support, I have my own foundation called the Teen Shorty Foundation. I give back to kids, uh, teens, and young adults inside the gym and off the streets. And so if people want to you know, come support, there is a link on my Instagram where I'm selling t-shirts, 100% of the proceeds go to my foundation. Or if you want to make a direct donation to my foundation, teamshorty.com slash foundation. And uh, man, it's just, I, I do a lot of mental health videos as well on my Instagram and I respond back to all my message requests. And uh, you know, I try to be very active on social media when it comes to just people because I wouldn't be here or, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at without them. So that's why I always say we can, we will together. We are Team Shorty. So the biggest page to follow and contact me is Instagram, Jose Shorty Torres. Copy that. Respect. We've given you a follow and we encourage you listening to do the same. Shorty, one last thing before we get you out of here. <laughs> Give us a bold prediction. It could be in Brave. Uh, it could be anything. A bold prediction for the rest of the year. Um, you know, for me, I will be fine at the end of the year. It will be in Bahrain. And I'm excited to just end the year on a very, very high note. This year has gone extremely well for me for the most part. And, you know, hoping that all stays well, as they say, inshallah. And yes. for me, man, I'm just, I, no matter what happens, I just want to be as positive as possible and show people that I'm trying my best. And hopefully because of that, they get motivated enough to follow suit. And for, you know, my next fight, for my next opponent, you know, a lot of people, because of my last fight, are calling me, you know, because I won by split decision, a fake champion, or I got lucky, or this and that. Um, I show a lot of sympathy in my fights, and that's something that not fighters, you know, fighters shouldn't be doing that. And I kind of carry a lot of people, but the next fight, I, I, you know, promise to not just prove to the world, but also prove to myself that I have what it takes to just finish stuff in the first round, get it done, and show the high level of uh, martial artist that I am. Awesome. Alhamdulillah. And bukhli, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. Thank you for your time, Shorty, and all the best. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much, and I hope you both have a phenomenal day. Keep staying busy. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website, www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcast's experience, where no sport is left behind.